today on It's Time. God blesses us because we're His children, but the blessings are to be used for the kingdom of God. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of Colossians. So, open your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. So God changes us, and as it says in verse 15, and let, i got to be willing, the peace of God rule in our hearts. You know, you can fake a lot of things in life. You can fake a smile, you can fake a laugh, you can fake a joy, but you can't fake peace. Why is that? Because peace comes out of your innermost being. And that's what you need. See, that thing is, this is why I believe people drink. I believe this is why people party down. They're trying to alter themselves so they can have peace. They can rest with who they are. What's the old joke? Why does an elephant drink? Because he wants to forget. Well, that's why I think a lot of people drink too. I think they want to forget who they are so that God then can do a new work in their life. Now he says... Let the peace of God rule in our hearts to which you were also called in one body and be thankful. Wow. Thankfulness is a key to the peace of God. Why is that? Because when I'm thankful for what I have, I'll be thankful for what I get. A lot of people aren't thankful for what they have. This isn't something we just talk about at Thanksgiving. This is something that we experience every day. Thankfulness always requires me to take an inventory of how I've been blessed. You ever notice that? If I, well, God, thank you that I have a car that starts. Thank you, God, I have a washing machine that runs. Thank you, God, that I have a roof over my head, even if it might leak. Thank you, God, that I have a lawn to mow. Thank you that I have water dirty. And all of a sudden, we move from what I don't have Well, I'd just be happy if I had that thing. And then it's for sale at yard sales. If I just had that one thing, I would be happy. Completely disregarding all the other blessings that God has blessed us with. Now, here's why it's important. God doesn't waste. God doesn't waste. I think probably one of the greatest, I think, a, 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 a Chinese diplomat came over to America. They gave him a tour. And they said, of all the things that impressed you in America, what has impressed you the most? And the Chinese guy said, you're garbage. Garbage? He said, if I had your garbage, I'd be the richest man in China. Because we throw away more than we ever use oftentimes. Well, here's the thing. If we're not thankful for what we have, we won't be thankful for what we get. God doesn't waste. But thankfulness engages, thankfulness engages the hand of God in the resources that I have. And together, the will of God can be done. So again, in other words, God entrusts us, and we're stewards. None of this stuff we have, friends, is ours. 
I can prove it. Go to the cemetery. There's no U-Hauls parked out there. When you leave this earth, you leave it all. So then what does that tell me? I need to be mindful of what I have to say, God, how can I best use my resources? What you've entrusted me with, how can I best use this to further your kingdom, to love one another, to, to bring about that, that heart, to, to reach out to people? How can I use those things? And when we have those things, and God doesn't mind you having things. I know a lot of people say, once you're a Christian, you just need to be dirt poor, shave your head bald, go bury yourself up to your neck in the Mojave Desert and punish yourself for being human. That isn't the way God is. God blesses us because we're his children. But the blessings are to be used for the kingdom of God. But if I'm negligent in recognizing the blessings, I then can't use that blessing because I've forgotten about it. You see, thankfulness requires us to take inventory of what we have. And when we take inventory, God, thank you for this. And then we start talking with somebody and somebody may have need of that or you can let them use it or whatever the case may be. That's the way we love one another. In other words, we cover one another. In other words, we got each other's back. You see, in a world that takes advantage of everyone, we as the family of God want to do this because this is the way Jesus Christ loved us. And so he says, and you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Uh, this is important. I was in church when I was a little boy, <laughs> and I've shared this many times. Some of you were raised in the bar and the honky-tonks. I was raised in church. I bet you my stories are as weird as yours. But something that I can tell you, something that I did get in church, and I remember a minister was up sharing this, just like I am today, saying, if any of you lack wisdom, Jesus said, ask and your father will give it. And you know what? I felt that was really good advice. And so asking God for wisdom concerning everything. Now, wisdom is different than knowledge. Knowledge is important, friends. You may know a lot of knowledgeable people. You might not know very many wise people. Because wisdom is the ability to apply what you know. In other words, knowledge is neat, but wisdom puts wheels to the knowledge. And you need wisdom to live each day. And so the Bible says, if any of you lack, God gives us. Where do you go to get wisdom? Well, I just go down to the mall and go to the wisdom store and I say, here, fill me up. No, that ain't the way it works. The way we get wisdom is through God's word and God's Holy Spirit energizing it to our mind and the way we think. And so this is something God will do. Now, again, the Old Testament, if you go to the book of 
Proverbs, for instance, that book is just filled with wisdom on how to live. The Bible says, don't answer a person in rage or you'll get enraged. There's a lot of wisdom in that, but I sometimes forget. So I have to ask God, help me remember these things so I don't forget and that I can engage them. Because I don't want to just have them in the head. I want to be able to live them in my life. See, you can have knowledge, but unless you have wisdom, you won't put feet to your faith. And that's really important in the, world we de- in the world we live in today. So he said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching, and why? Admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. In other words, being a blessing to somebody around you. Have you ever been around people that you think, sometimes they're Christians, you know, they're like baptized in vinegar. You go, what's wrong with you? You know, well, it's because they forgot who they are in Christ. Again, going back to where we started, back to verse 12, elect of God, holy and beloved. Remember who you are. You're loved by God. You know, he couldn't take care of you. You got a daddy in heaven. You know, if you're not a Christian here today, I I just got one question for you. Who takes care of you? Who is watching your back? Who is taking care of the things that you have forgotten about that can get you later on in your life? You see, you have a father in heaven that loves you. And that God in heaven that loves you, loves you with, first of all, an everlasting love, but that, that we in turn love one another. And we bless one another. And we hold up one another. You know, when all of a sudden those things are happening, you haven't got a need to get stoned anymore. You haven't got a need to get drunk anymore. You haven't got a need to get all this weird stuff and put around you friends that are hurting you rather than helping you. We all need fellowship, friends. We all go somewhere to hang out with the gang. But if you go to the wrong group of people, Proverbs tells us Solomon writing to his kids, it's going to ruin your life. So the Bible tells us how we need to do this and how and what we need for daily life. Now, it doesn't just cover your friends, but it covers everything about us. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Again, thanks, because thanks unlocks our eyes to see what we have, how I may be using these things for the kingdom of God. Now, again, some things God has given you, some, thing God, some things God has put in you. You're born that way. It's been said one time that you don't make who you are, you discover who you are. Isn't that weird? How is it that one person can pick up a guitar, go to you, and they, I, I, I get it, and they can play. Other people, they don't really know what side of the guitar they should be playing, you know. Well, why is that? Because you discover that God put in you music. God put in you mechanics. God put in you friendship and a a kind. God puts in us things for his kingdom. Now, why is that? As it says here again, whatever you do in word or deed. So both, it's not just one, I love you, see you, pal. No, it's I love you, how can I help? You know, that's one of the things in the Bible, Matthew 18. It says, if you see a brother overtaken in a fault, slander him all over the internet and and, and make fun of him. No, that's not what it says. If you see a brother overtaken in a fault, you go to him privately. And the thing is, it isn't going to the brother saying or sister saying, well, I just wanted to let you know how really messed up you are. No, that's not what it's about. 
You go to him and when you engage with him, you say, hey, look, I see you got problems here. I got to see you got some issues here. And I'm here to help you. And I'm here to help you get out of whatever you're in. That's what that's talking about. All of a sudden, it's no longer a critical eye or a haughty spirit. But it's somebody saying, hey, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how you got into it, but I'm here to help you get out of it. Friends, that's what love is. That's what we're looking for. That's what we need. Well, it's in every aspect of our life. And here we find in Colossians, we find now Paul writing them even concerning our home life. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as fitting to the Lord. Now, now again, that doesn't mean submit to your husbands if he wants to. Okay, lay here, woman, I'm going to beat you with a club. No, that's not what it's talking about. As fitting to the Lord. That's what it means. Well, honey, you know, I'm a little low on dope. I want you to go down to the mall and score for me. No, you're not under obligation to do that. That's not what that's talking about. But it means, let the guy be the guy. We say, but Mike, you don't understand. I'm married to an idiot. Let him fail. You know, sometimes you have to let people fail to realize, first of all, they need God. Second of all, sometimes that they realize they need you. And so sometimes if we're going to be, and guys get that way. You know, you, you, you get, that's why guys don't ask for directions. It's just something humiliating about us. We don't know where we're going. I want to know where I'm going. I want at least you to think I know where I'm going, so I'm not going to ask for directions. Well, if you don't go in here and ask for directions, I'm going to get out of this car and I'm going to walk. What happens is you're better off to just say, honey, I'm going to pray for you. And pretty soon, we're driving down the road. We don't, I don't think I know where I'm going. Oh, okay. Rather than, I told you. What happens? What does that do? Does that say, boy, thank you for that bit of wisdom, honey. That really made me feel better. Or you just go, shut up. He's saying here, wives, submit to your own husbands. If he wants to go left, you pray for him. You can, I'm not saying you don't state your opinion. But this is how to have peace in your home. Let God deal with your spouse. Number two, verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Isn't that weird that it says that? Why is that? Because there's a bitterness that can happen. Somebody said because they are right. <laughs> you know, I don't know, but the thing is that does happen. And we can get bitter because we're, we feel that we're in the nag mode and we're being nagged. And so therefore it says, submit to your husbands. If he wants to make the mistake, as dear, as bad as it sometimes is, okay, I'm going to pray for you. Let him make the mistake. Let them then repent. Let them come to you and say, honey, I'm sorry, I really messed up this way. And and that's good. And husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter towards them when they're right. (laughs) Because sometimes we don't like to be told. Children. Obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. It's one of the few commands with promise that you'll live a long time. Now, some people have asked the question, well, is it uh, children obey your parents that it'll be well with you and you'll live long upon the land which the Lord gives you because your parents haven't killed you? Or does it mean that there's a promise that you learn from your parents, you don't 
rebel to what they say and it adds to your life because you begin to understand how things work. I believe that's what it is. Verse 21, fathers, don't provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Provoking a child means absolute perfection. Well, no, I told you to clean up your room and there's one piece of lint on the floor and you got to pick that up. That's the provoking. We want to be gracious in what we do. Little kids need to be uh, uh, loved and, and, and uh, sometimes we expect more out of them than they're able to deliver. And I believe that's really important. And I'm glad God isn't like that with us because God is absolute perfection and he lets us also be his kids. And if there's any bunch of group of people that don't always get it right, it's all of us. So otherwise we become discouraged. You know, when we come up short in our service to God, God doesn't kick us. God puts his arm around us and says, I'll make up the difference. That's what God's grace is. That's what we need. Now, verse 22, we're almost done here. Servants. Well, nobody has servants here anymore, so we'll just eliminate this. Nope, that's not what it's talking about. Verse 22. Let's change it a little bit. Employees. Obey all things that your boss, according to the flesh, not with eye service as man pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. That's exactly what it's talking about. When, when that boss hires you for so many dollars an hour, we are there to do his work. Not to be on the cell phone, not to be witnessing on the job, not to be doing anything. We're there to serve them because they're paying our paycheck. So we want to be real good at what we do. Second of all, and whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, not to men. So in other words, oh, it's good enough to get by. Let's not worry. No, you do it with, a, with an act of, of, I'm doing this not for you, boss man. I'm doing this for the king. Because the excellence is seen by others. You know, I'll tell you, that's where promotions come from. People see that you're doing a really good job and you're doing a far beyond that what everybody else does. Those are the ones that get promoted. So I'm just telling you, this is the way God's family and God's uh, uh, purpose works. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord, not unto your boss. Do the best you can for God. Uh, In other words, uh, an air of excellence about everything that we do. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. That's who we serve. It's because of God. People see that in the way we behave. And then the last verse, it says, but he who does wrong, he will be repaid for the wrong which he has done, and there is no partiality. Now, the last one here is masters. Give your servants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So he says, to those that work for you, you give them their, their due, masters, bosses, you be good to your employees. That's what the Bible says. That's how we're to live. Now, that's what the Holy Spirit wants in us. Now, here's the problem. The Bible says you can't serve two masters. You're going to love one, hate the other, hate one, love the other. If you're the master, you're not going to be about daddy's business. God's got a better plan for your life than you do. Now, one of the things that we repent when people say, well, what do I repent from when I come to Christ? Our own, our own drive. 
We just lay it at the feet of God. Say, you know, God, I'd like this, I'd like this, I'd like this, I'd like this. But you know what? I don't want to care about that. I want what you want for me. That's what repentance is. That's when the Bible says we repent. We turn 180 degrees from the way we walked in our way and we walk towards God. Okay, God, no longer I, but you live within me. That's what the Bible says. And the Bible says when we do that, we adapt in God's purpose for our life, which is the only fulfilling part of your life. Everything else you do, everything else I would do, apart from serving God, is going to always leave us empty. Why is that? Because you were designed for God's purpose. Let God be the reason for you. That's what God wants. This morning, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, and you realize, I've been living my life for myself. Nothing's going right. I don't want another 10 years like I've just had. God, would you forgive me? And the Bible says he will. Well, you don't understand. I've done some really bad things. Doesn't matter how bad of things you've done. God forgives them all. See, it isn't in the multitude of what we do wrong. It's that if we've done one thing wrong, if we sin, it makes us a sinner. I've used this illustration before. How many people do you have to murder to be a murderer? One. How many lies do you have to tell to be a liar? One. So it isn't in the multitude It's that I've done any of these things. But the good news is God wants to forgive us. Somebody asked me, this past week. What are two verses in the Bible that are your two favorite verses? And I told him one is in Hebrews 9. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. No reincarnate episodes, no praying, you know, Uncle Fred out of purgatory. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. My second verse, though, is for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Those two verses, that there is a judgment coming, but God forgives sin. That's the good news. And that God offers me, not only in heaven someday, but a life here worth living. That's what God wants to do for you. Let him do that. Now, would you say, I want to be a candidate for that. I, I want to, I, I've lived my life my own way. I've seen the loopholes in it. I've seen how it's always left me aching in my soul. God says, okay, from this day forward, we're going to lay that aside. Now you're going to live for me. Now, if you want to pray and ask God into your life, the Bible says he'll change you. And he changes us from the inside out. In other words, it isn't, I take 10 of the things I like to do the best. And I take 10 of the things I hate to do the most, and I swap them. Nope, that's not what being a Christian is. The Bible says we simply repent from defining life our way and our purpose and go and say, okay, God, from now on, you define my life. I'll only be about your business because I want my life to mean something here and in eternity. God says, now we can get somewhere. And when you pray, that invisible Holy Spirit comes inside of you and begins that refining process each and every day. Something that all the psychology courses in the world will never offer you. Something that all the, the, the self-help, motivational speaking stuff will never do for you. It's something that God does for you. Why? Because he loves you. He made you, and he made you for a reason. And so this morning, if you've never prayed, you say, okay, Uncle God, I don't want any more like I've had for the last 10 years. God says, today's your day of being brand new.
We're going to pray right now. And if you want to accept Christ as your Savior, just pray and ask God to come in your life. He will. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. And his blood covered my sins. And so from this day forward, I lay my life at your feet. I ask you to make me the best I can be for you. And thank you for forgiving my past and my sins. And every day is brand new with you. And so, Lord, teach me how to love. Teach me how to be, be a, a, a child of yours. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to be about your business each day. And thank you for writing my name in your book of life that I can spend eternity with you, never to be scared of dying ever again. So I commit my life now into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.